First part of session 86. In here, let's take a deep dive into the unconscious mind and dreaming. Let's begin. This first part is going to start as usual with a bit of a conversation on the states that Carla was in terms of her energy. There's a little conversation there. Then it's going to lead into a check on the fifth density negative entity that we know of already. And then it's gonna get into the unconscious mind and hopefully I get uh, far enough with dreaming so we can get a really, really good view about this uh, activity that is part of our mind so there's nothing I have to say other than it is raining here and you might hear a little bit of water and I'm just enjoying it so I just wanted to warn you about that if there is any background water uh, music that's the reason I am enjoying the, the sound of the water as it falls so okay Let's get into the first question, which is the usual one, where Don says, could you first please give me the condition of the instrument? And Ross says, the instrument's distortion towards physical energy complex deficit has slightly increased since the last asking. The vital energy levels have had significant calls upon them and are somewhat less than the last asking also. So let's find out why or what is this? In question two, Don says, what was the nature of these significant calls on the vital energy? Ra says, there are those entities which entertain the thought distortion towards this entity that it shall remove for the other cells, all distortions for the other self. This entity has recently been in close contact with a large, larger than normal number of entities with these thought complex distortions. This entity is of the distortion to provide whatever service is possible and is not consciously aware of the inroads made upon the vital energies. Don follows up and says, Am I correct in assuming that you're speaking of incarnate third density entities that were creating the condition of use of the vital energy? Ross says, Yes. So, um, interesting point that... First of all, I think her physical energies, that's what we're monitoring usually, right? Uh, there, was, uh, there was an increase in physical energy, a slightly increase since last asking. So yeah, a slight increase and then a, uh, a decrease in vital energies. These vital energies are what we have spoken about before. It's just, a, um, I see it as just a collective of all the, the energies that make up life in our body and they can get depleted of course and this this is a good example of that in which um, there is the dedication to help others and then of course the people who come over for uh, for help that drains your vital energies of course and so Carla was just experiencing that <laughs> 
I like that Don makes the question instead of asking, I mean, it, he uses complete law of one language or Ross language and saying that you're speaking of incarnate third density entities because there could be third density entities who are not incarnate. Um, and those are the ones that were causing the demands on Carla's vital energies. So Ross says, yes, in essence, there were people going to Carla asking, help me or let's uh, yeah, let's find out what can you do for me. And so because she was a service, she would do that and that depleted her vital energies. Not much to say there. Question four, Don says, what's the present situation with our fifth density service to self polarized companion? So this is the fifth density negative entity. Ron says the period which you may call crisis remains. Then Don says, can you tell me anything of the nature of this crisis? And Ra explains, the polarity of your companion is approaching the critical point at which the entity shall choose either to retreat for the nuns, which means for the moment or for now, and leave any greetings to fourth density minions or lose polarity. The only other potential is that in some way this group might lose polarity, in which case your companion could continue its form of greeting. So, um, this is the dynamic of negative entities or negative influences, as I like to call them, because it's easier for us to uh, visualize. It's a lot closer to at least the reality as I see it, as opposed to seeing a sort of blob of energy that is coming and affecting me and it's going away. Uh, if we're going to see things from unity consciousness, then we, we need to perceive everything as part of the self. And what is this dynamic? So the negative entity or the negative influence dynamic is to promote a direction. And that direction is, of course, to lose your polarization, positive polarity, and to seduce you into the negative polarity. It's just a sort of balance that exists in the universe, right? I've talked about this a lot already. But it's that. It's just a... a regular influence of the universe to see what what do I want to do you know it's not the universe imposing on you the universe is you so you are being presented with the illusion of movement the illusion of uh, evolution the illusion of by illusion I don't mean deception but of course just the gameplay the uh, the magic of reality, the magic of imagination. So you're being presented with that so you can make a conscious choice. So this interplay, which is the, the negative entity, uh, there is the most intense or high influence, which is fifth density, and then there is fourth density. So when fifth density or that influence is not enough, um, or not not enough, but it, it's, it fails, then it goes back into the, the lower sort of temptations, which is four density uh, negatives. And the four density negatives dynamic. Then the only other potential is that if they lose polarity, that's the group, if they for some reason lose polarity, then 
it can continue to cause um, some sort of greeting, which is just a way of um, presenting itself as as an option for for influencing uh, people's path. Um, I am aware. I want to say this. I am totally aware of the interpretation, which is the most common one, that there are negative actual entities affecting you. I believe that is a way to see it. It's not the way to see it, nor is it mine the way to see it. Uh, it's just how I perceive it. But I am aware that people like to visualize actual uh, sort of uh, humanized, anthropomorphized uh, entities, you know, like in the movie Ghost, you see the demon sort of like it, it has a human shape, but it's all shadows. And that that's our influence. That's what we have been imprinted in the collective mind. So it's quite all right to see that archontic or archonic, whatever it's called, uh, forces and, you know, uh, the, the Narakas or whatever other cultural depiction of negativity we have created the demon um, meaning um, the devil and that kind of stuff I know all of these things are part of the visual form that we have created and so it's fine because you see yourself as a human you see that's the giveaway if you see yourself as a separate self as a human who is being affected then of course you have to create a different entity uh, some uh, creepy creature that is affecting you so because i personally don't like that image it doesn't satisfy my uh, my holistic view of if i am everything that why am i still having thoughts of separation i don't like that so i i see things as a whole as a whole, all I see is positive and negative causing an influence into who I truly am, which is pure consciousness. And that pure consciousness has the free will to choose what kind of uh, game am I going to play. So for example, just very reduced um, example here, but it is a good one. In some video games, you can choose your path, whether you're going to be evil or... Uh, benevolent or good you see and so you depending on the actions that you perform you become more evil or you become more benevolent in angelical whatever whatever the game wants to call it so you have two paths you know same thing here it's a game it's a game of reality and consciousness wants to play it so of course it needs to create these influences so it doesn't play it by knowing exactly what's going to do it doesn't want to know what it's going to do see it's it's a it's a game of hide and seek and so i'm seeking my seeking has to do with some sort of polarity so i'll play that game so again that's just my view everybody can um, have their own universe that's why we have a mind a personal mind speaking of personal minds we can go into the first substantial question of this session this is question six, where Don says, in the last session, you had mentioned the properties precipitating from the veiling of the mind. The first being visioning and visioning or far seeing. Would you explain the meaning of that? So now we have the uh, understanding of the unconscious mind. 
Ross says, your language is not overstrewn with non-emotional terms for the functional qualities of what is now termed the unconscious mind. The nature of mind is something which we have requested that you ponder. However, it is, shall we say, clear enough to the casual observer that we may share some thoughts with you without infringing upon your free learn teaching experiences. So, very interesting. Um, first of all, we're going back into something that I talked about, obviously, in the last session, when they mention this um, uh, capacity of visioning, envisioning, and far-seeing. And so Don is interested in that. And I had said in that video that, to me, this didn't mean exactly or just uh, limited to that um, clairvoyance. Although it is related to, of course, because clairvoyancy is related to the use of the unconscious mind or the navigation of the unconscious mind, which is this deep portion of the collective. It goes into that collective. So it does make sense that clairvoyance has to do with it. But it's not the developing of, I believe what Ra said, and I, I'm keen on looking up because they, they did say, let's see what they said. So if one were to uh, label the functions that this is all the functions that were of aid in polarization prior, uh, I mean, post veil. And so it's visioning and vision and far seeing. And I talked about this as saying that it was a way in which we can, um, and we can, we can study the unconscious mind because that's what we're interested in, right? As, um, um, as adepts, we are interested in learning or exploring, investigating uh, the unconscious mind. So that's what was created, of course, after the veil. The veiling process simply uh, veiled the potentiator, which is the unconscious mind now, from the matrix, which is the conscious mind in this case. So by that veiling, then we want to explore the potentials, of course, of our unconscious mind, the personal unconscious, at the very least. Uh, we should always start there, of course. It's my opinion. So, um, Rise giving, you know, a sort of uh, disclaimer here <laughs> by saying, uh, first of all, that first phrase is kind of complicated, but they're basically saying your language doesn't have many words that are non-emotional. So here's the first hint. Th this question can take an hour to go through. So uh, I'm going to make my best to just summarize what they meant and leave you for contemplation. So first of all, they're saying from the get-go, our language doesn't have many words that are not emotional because most of our language evokes a lot of emotions as to what they mean, you know, and um, what do they mean to us and how do we react to those things. Language is so limited. Language is just a very primitive way of communication, which is not a problem. You see, the problem is trying to use language to understand reality 
A lot of people get this wrong. They say, oh, well, language is so limited. I can't wait for four density so we can have telepathy. Or I want to use my spiritual powers to improve my telepathy and transmit pure knowledge to other people. Um, sorry, but that's not the game we're playing here. The game we're playing here is to be very limited in our language and still we can live life. However, our society and our culture has developed in a way to revere language, to become obsessed with language because it's the best way to communicate, right? No, it's not. And um, we have put too much weight on language, just like we have put on science and uh, the limited uh, interpretations of the conscious mind. And so that's why we are baffled by all the information that is out there and we can't even read it all you see and so we have the this this need to be informed to be uh, educated and so we need to read a lot of books and a lot of um, uh, sciences and of course a lot of philosophies and so on that's the way no that's not the way that is one way to be very confused <laughs> Uh, which again, this is not an intellectual approach to life. It is a, you know, everything goes in its place. The intellect has its place. And so Ra is saying that, in essence, why? Because we're going to talk about the unconscious mind. And they remind us, or remind Don, but remind us as well, that they said, ponder upon the nature of mind. That's something that invites us to meditation, of course, and we'll talk about meditation here. Uh, so their disclaimer is saying, you know, to the casual observer, it may look, I would say uh, for anybody who is listening to this or reading this, it must be clear that what they're doing is sharing thoughts without infringing your your free capacity of learn teaching or making up your own mind basically so again warning about language and warning about what they're going to say because it doesn't have to be construed as the description of what the unconscious mind is so with that disclaimer let's see what they said sorry that it takes so long to just get into the first paragraph of this but it is so deep. Ross says, the nature of the unconscious is of the nature of concept rather than word. Consequently, before the veiling, the use of the deeper mind was that of the use of unspoken concept. You may consider the emotive and con connotative aspects of a melody. One could call out, in some stylized fashion, the terms for the notes of the melody. One could say, a quarter note A, a quarter note A, a quarter note A, whole note F. This bears little resemblance to the beginning of the melody of one of your composer's most influential melodies, that known to you as a symbol of victory. Mm -hmm. So. Let's dissect this paragraph. First, the nature of the unconscious is of the nature of concept rather than word. Um, 
I don't believe they're talking about concept in the way that we're so used to, meaning that we kind of use the, um, what should we call it? Uh, we use language to produce uh, ideas, right? Those are, those are concepts. Although I would say, yes, it has a uh, sort of resemblance to the way of ideas in our language. But concepts, if you see, for example, if you go into, I can describe to you a concept, right, in words. That's what I'm trying to say. I can describe to you a concept in words and you say, oh, I grasped that concept. Yes, the, the concept of free will, for example. But if you go into the knowing of free will, not the concept that I described to you in words, but the, the, the reality of free will, right? Take away the intellect and understand that everything in the universe has free will it has freedom of movement and by freedom of movement then it decides where to go and see i'm still using words to describe this but what can i do if you meditate on free will you'll be able to see ah oh, that is what free will is i can see it i can perceive it i can see it in motion but then when you're going to describe it it's going to be limited and people are going to say oh i see what you mean and you <laughs> you're saying inside oh i know you don't know what i mean but there you go that's the best i can do for you now you need to meditate on it so um you know also the concept of being kind you see i can explain that to you in words and you'll be able to understand it intellectually but you won't be able to uh, i mean you will be able to feel it because you know what it is and you say Oh, okay, so I know what you mean. But you know that the concepts, the words didn't make it. It's just your own living and association with it that makes it. The law of one actually is filled with this. And this is why people say, it feels like I'm remembering this. Like I somehow I knew this. Yes, because the way it, things are described, they're evoking in you that, oh, yes, you know, that, that makes sense to me. You know, I can live it. I can... Um, I can feel it. So that's what they're talking about. That's the nature of the unconscious. Uh, another way we can talk about this is how um, uh, the, the law of one, again, the material, the raw material, uh, causes this, this sort of um, inner knowledge to, to, to come out. That is the same uh, what we're doing here, we are surfacing the unconscious mind. The unconscious mind is being stimulated so much by this material that that's why you feel the way you feel when you listen to these um, to these words. These teachings are uh, stimulating a lot of concepts in this fashion that are in the unconscious mind. And by being stimulated, they come up, right? So Ra says that consequently, because that's the nature of the, the unconscious mind, before the veiling, the use of the deeper mind was that of the use of unspoken concepts. So you could use the unconscious mind or what is called now the unconscious mind at that point, it was just a potentiator. 
and that potentiator was available to the conscious mind or the matrix so it could be used directly as an unspoken concept we didn't have to use words i'm thinking uh, because they were they're very poor but there is the the capacity of just communicating full concepts um, now Ra gives us a pretty good example of this right which is music in music you have these uh, emotive and connotative aspects right of what is being transmitted there's something inside that you feel and you say hmm yes you know, you, you go with that and you you kind of just uh, live it without concepts, without words. Um, sorry that I'm using the word concept, but I'm so used to use concept as a amalgamation of words that are supposed to mean something and trying to learn intellectually. Whereas here we're using the word concept as something that is uh, deep into the sense of self and life life from the inside so Ra gives us the uh, quarter note a quarter note a right is that what it is doo, 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 doo. that's what it is well it's not quarter note a like that it's uh, dun, 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 dun. right so that is um, is that Beethoven, Beethoven, Beethoven? Um, Fifth Symphony, classic. Um, and so, you, you see, saying quarter note A, quarter note A has nothing, nothing to do with um, with the music, with but what's what the sound is, you know. So, but if I say do 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 do, then that's different, of course. Uh, you see it, you feel it, you say, hmm, okay. And my voice is not the most musical one. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's what they mean. The words have no meaning. Now, if I can use my own analogies here, I like to say, you know, that the word tree uh, at best can create an image of a tree in your mind. But if I tell you, oh, there's the most gorgeous tree out there and it has green leaves right now in the summer, and now has acorns and so on so you can start picturing it but it's the words are nothing and even your imagination is not enough for you to see the tree if you see it then you say oh i see what you mean wow so words are just noise let's put it that word uh that way <laughs> um so yeah this bears a little resemblance to the beginning of the melody of the one uh, one of your most influential composers, so Beethoven, um, and yeah. Now, funny, I like that they, I don't know why they said this, but um, I looked it up and I said, oh, that's what they meant. They say, that known to you as a symbol of victory. I said, what does that have to do with Beethoven's uh, Fifth Symphony? And it turns out that in Morse code, the letter V is, I think it's three dots and a dash. So it's da 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 da, right? So <laughs> it was associated with that. So I thought it was funny that Ra would mention a reference to Morse code and the letter V. 
which is directly associated with Beethoven's um, composition. So that's what we have in terms of the unconscious mind. Okay, so what else did they say? This is the nature of the deeper mind. There are only stylized methods with with which to discuss its functions. Thusly, our descriptions of this portion of the mind, as well as the same portions of body and spirit, were giving terms such as far-seeing, indicating that the nature of penetration of the veil portion of the mind may be likened unto the journey too rich and exotic to contemplate adequate describing thereof. So, yes, let's talk about this because this is the real um, this is the real deal of this answer. Um, the nature of the deeper, this is the nature of the deeper mind. So what's happening here in practice? Let us describe the structure of the mind in which there is this, uh, this first conscious mind that we are aware of. Right? That, that's all we are aware of all the time is the conscious mind. The conscious mind is made out of thoughts. Okay? Thoughts are the, uh, the pre, they're previous to words. Okay? So they're interrelated. Thoughts are prior to word because before we say anything, it's made out of words, uh, made out of thoughts, of course. So thoughts are prior to words. And in the same way, we can say that words is verbalized thoughts, right? That's all we think about. That's all we are involved in. And as I mentioned before, we have given too much, too much importance to words and thoughts. And we're stuck there. The vast majority of people uh, because that's our modern world, are concerned with the surface thoughts that is circulating over and over again. Okay, This has a big impact in, of course, how we perceive reality and how we perceive ourselves. We have a false image of who we are by constantly associating ourselves with the thoughts that are surfacing, simply surfacing, and the, the workings of the conscious mind. We don't go beyond that. So we have been exploring, this is you know a little bit of psychology here, uh, not too deep, but subconscious. Is there such thing as a subconscious? What is that? Well, subconscious seems to be what makes up most of my reality, you see? But even here, which is something that is completely admitted by everybody, yes, we have a subconscious mind that is uh, what is um, driving our our life. Uh, we don't seem to care much and say, well, yeah, that's just there, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's just making me, okay? We don't explore it, we don't care about the subconscious mind, and yet it is a huge portion of what this uh, waking state is about, right? Um, it has 
as it were, it is like a hard drive. And that hard drive contains um, all the information, or we're only concerned with the RAM of the computer that we are, or that this body is, this mind body is. So, okay, so far we have conscious mind, just all these thoughts, the surface level, the interface with reality and our thoughts, everything that is being generated. I'm looking at somebody and I'm having thoughts about them. Uh, I'm looking at food and I'm having thoughts about food and all of all of this interaction, right? The transactional process between the conscious mind and reality, what it's seeing, what it's perceiving. And we're stuck there. So we go into the subconscious now and we say, okay, that's that's what's generating most of my biases and what I believe I am and all the things that I am constantly recirculating are part of my subconscious. And so now we say, well, we can program our subconscious. And so a lot of, um, uh, let's say, th therapists now are working with the subconscious and helping you reprogram your subconscious. It's a, it's a trend now. People doing all kinds of things to program your subconscious because you admit at some point that there's something wrong with you. You know, you're not this conscious mind. My ego is bothering me. So, you know, you get into the those levels of uh, reprogramming your subconscious. People do affirmations and they do uh, specific meditations to to this kind of stuff. So we we are at a deeper level of you know just <laughs> instead of being an an automaton. We are now involved with our reality, you know, we're, we're getting uh, deeper into the hard drive and saying, you know, yeah, I don't like this file and I don't like this program and, and how do I substitute it and so on. Okay, but we are not talking about the subconscious mind here. We're talking about the unconscious mind. And this is a deeper level of that which informs the subconscious, you know, and it's trying to bring up to the subconscious this information. Uh, the dynamics of this is all very well explained in the archetypical mind, and I think I've done videos on this already within this playlist of the, um, the raw material. So I won't explain much here, but rather than the conscious mind is the one that needs to reach to the unconscious mind by will, right? By sheer will and determination, you want your conscious mind to go into the unconscious. So how do you do that? Well, the word is meditation. So depending on how you approach this, especially now with the new age uh, being so, um, uh, what's the word? Prolific? right in in its abundance of information you have so many things to choose from and so meditation becomes that is is the way in which you are reaching the unconscious mind so what else did they say so okay this is the nature of the deeper mind that's what it is that's the deeper mind um to help a little bit more you can imagine something that is part of the raw material the tree of mind 
The tree of mind is composed of the conscious mind, which I talked about already, subconscious mind, and then the unconscious, personal unconscious. After that, it goes into racial, planetary, Lagoic, and so on. We don't care about those. We're only caring here about the personal unconscious mind. Okay. And when you approach yourself, your mind from the, the state of meditation, you will see that the more you meditate, the more information is, go is going to come up that you won't be able to explain, right? There are, I would call two or three levels of, um, that I have experienced at least, which are, um, yes, uh, we can break it down in so many levels, but I'm gonna just talk about three. The first one is how information is bubbling up, which you can actually verbalize. It's not gonna be the same, right? It's gonna be very difficult um, to, um, very difficult to verbalize. You're gonna see all these things and you're going to say, I'm learning so much about me and when you try to put it into words and explain it to somebody, you fail and you see the futility of trying to. Okay, so please focus on this because this is very important. This is something that you will see within your own experience. And in fact, I'm sure you have at some point uh, felt this way in which the information that is coming through in meditation is just uh, we don't have to even call it channeling. It's just your own mind. You're understanding your own mind. Uh, we could call it channeling, but that's not the point here. It's your own mind that you're seeing. And like I said, you know, these are understandable, but it, they're very difficult to explain. Then there is a second level in which you will understand um, things like I said free will or um, light generation or uh, whatever metaphysical things that we have learned you kind of see it in in place you see it in context it's like going out of nature and seeing you've never seen a bird before you've talked about you've heard about it you've talked about it but you've never seen it and suddenly you just see it and say like impossible it's impossible for me to put it into words I can try but I don't care about putting it into words. I just want to see the bird flying. You see, so that is a deeper portion which you can still understand what's happening. You can still make associations with it, but it makes it impossible for you to uh, to describe it. I think that's, that's the nature of the unconscious mind right there. Then there is a third level, which I'll just mention for, uh, for being thorough, which is a stream of energy or beingness, I would call it just beingness, it's aliveness, that is you, that is beyond understanding or explanation. It's just simply an experience of life, of um, this is what we call love, you know, this is what, um, in fact, uh, samadhi is, it's something that I have explained so many times, samadhi is not something completely exuberant, Samadhi is just the state in which you are aware that you are aware. You remain in that awareness, which if you try to do it, you'll find out that it's very difficult. And that's why everybody talks about Samadhi being the ultimate state and so on. Uh, but I like to demystify these things and say, no, Samadhi is not uh, 
but yes, sure enough, for the majority of us, is is kind of a, a big challenge to stay there. But it's not like, oh, you know, I'm, I fail at it, so I won't try it again. That's the problem. Determination is key. The longer you you remain in samadhi, or the longer you try, the longer you remain in samadhi. So meditation, meditation, meditation. Now, um, again, uh, I'll say this, that in this state of samadhi is where the unconscious mind will continue to inform, although it feels like nothing is happening, it is intense, but intense reform, uh, reforming of the mind that is happening because samadhi is the prior state of everything. And so all information is flowing from this infinity of self into the mind. So it feeds the mind in a way that could never be explained and yet the changes are happening. So I... This is why I said this question can take a full hour or more. Um, but yeah, at least this part is so important for me to say that uh, spirituality is about understanding Samadhi first, experientially. That's knowing who you truly are, by the way. If you hear me talk about the direct path, this is what it is. Uh, the first step that we take is to recognize who we are right that's the three steps of the direct path uh, which is my uh, my teaching not mine but the teaching that i use because it's it's the most efficient way to go straight into what we want in spirituality that's the goal of spirituality is to achieve that state of of remembrance we can call it remembrance remember who you are constantly and by doing this, you're increasing your capacity of samadhi. And this samadhi is all that you are. This will continue to inform the mind in the most efficient way. But you see, if you have paid attention, you would notice that you would have no idea in which to conceptualize how the changes happened. In other words, it's a silent work that is happening um, in the background the more you are committed to this, which is not a commitment really, it's just a constant recognition and how much do you want to live in truth or how much do you want to continue to live in the lie of the separate self. So, so many things to say here. Um, I just wanted to mention this because we went from the conscious mind, which is this ego-ridden uh, personality, to the subconscious mind, which is the programming of that which has been bubbling up to the conscious mind, uh, kind of effective way to approach this, of course. But there, there are deeper, deeper ways, which is to dive into the unconscious mind. This is not very appealing to a lot of people because we're so used to, even the people that work with the programming of the subconscious mind will actually say, uh, no, 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 I want tangible evidence. So they keep working with the subconscious mind, which again is great, it is fantastic, it's better than what the majority of people are doing, which is just living from the conscious mind, believing that that's what they are. At least here we're saying, I am not the ego. I am I, This ego, which I recognize as something that is unwanted, 
I'm going to change it. Now, uh, the pitfall here, and I, I have to mention it, is that you're still working within identification with what you want. So there is ego identity still. Uh, just you are repainting the wall as opposed to breaking the wall, you know, because you didn't like the color before, but yet you're going to put a new color to it, a new personality to yourself. That's fine to me. At least it's, um, it's a step in the right direction. But ego remains, and this is where uh, spiritual ego will, uh, could actually develop. But then we get into the unconscious mind, which again, that is what we want to nourish our communication with the unconscious mind, which is, that's why Ra says, faith and will. Faith is not needed for the subconscious or eh, a little bit actually, uh, but mostly you want the uh, faith to go into its deepest portion, which is unknowing. Surrendering yourself to the unknown. That's what you find here. That is what the unconscious mind is when we approach it with the desire to know it, not as concepts, like I said, um, intellectually, but knowing it as for what it is. And so you begin to live more as you are, that's being, and not as a doer, which is ego. So all of this falls into place here. Um, and this is, uh, I'll uh, reinforce what I said before when Ross said, there are only stylized methods with which to discuss its functions. There are only uh, stylized methods in which to discuss the functions of the unconscious mind. Uh, we don't have ways to say this is how it works because our words are limited. And so Ra says our descriptions of this portion of the buying as well as the same portions of body and spirit were giving terms such as far seeing indicating that the nature of penetration of the veil portion of the mind may be likened onto the journey too rich and exotic to contemplate adequate describing thereof. Impossible to describe because diving into the deep portion of the mind, which is the unconscious mind, is refers to as far-seeing. That's what I meant in the last episode when I talked about this not being just clairvoyance, like I said, although clairvoyance uses this, but far-seeing or envisioning is a capacity to, in, in other words, dive deep into the unconscious mind. Indescribable and ineffable is what it is. But all right, let's move on to the next question before I finish this whole part, which is question six. In question seven, Don says, you stated that dreaming, if made available to the conscious mind, will aid greatly in polarization. Would you define dreaming or tell us what it is and how it aids in polarization? So this is going to be a very long answer and it's going to describe a lot of the aspects of dreaming and their, their effect. So buckle up. Ross says, dreaming is an activity of communication through the veil of the unconscious mind and the conscious mind. The nature of this activity is wholly dependent upon the situation regarding the energy center blockages, activations, and crystallizations of a given mind-body-spirit complex. Uh, 
So let's set the stage for this this study or this this view of being. Okay. Let's just begin with that. With that, everything is being. We are that being, because if everything is, and you are, then everything has being, and you can explore what being is. We normally explore this as experience. Not normally. We always explore being as experience. In other words, my being is experiencing something which we call reality. Now. Um, this exploration of reality through experience is a way to see who I am. That's all I care for. Intelligent infinity or the creator will know itself. That's it. It's as, as simple as that. I will know myself because I am infinite and so I can know myself in infinite ways. So I will explore that. In the current uh, experience that we are uh, exploring, which is called third density, uh, the idea is for us to uh, first have no idea who we are. Second, try to figure it out. That, that's the whole game. The, the main rule of the game is to know who you are. Um, most people on planet Earth are failing this because we're not interested in knowing who we are, we're interested in surviving. You see, so the game of survival has been, let's say, the um, the, the theme of this, this planet. It's all about survival and, of course, about me. So that's why we are a society that is, uh, at least in 1981, Ross said that we Instead of being in yellow ray, moving towards uh, green, we have taken a step back into orange. So collectively, our planet is seeing itself as me, me and myself, me and mine. You see, very animalistic, very second density, uh, tribal, in fact. And that's why we still have wars, because tribalism, we believe we are the group uh, the in-group, and we know, and you don't. Religions depict this, everything else. Uh, sports and politics and blah, blah, blah. All, all of it is, is made out of this, with small incursions into yellow ray and very few into green ray. Collectively, I mean. Now, internally, we are... Um, we don't, we don't need, of course, the, the world to change, which is something that uh, I heard a lot. I, I never subscribed to this idea. I mean, at the beginning, when I was learning, I said, oh, we need to wait for everybody to polarize to, to be for density and so on. But something just didn't click because parallel to my, um, let's just say, the knowing that came to me, I realized that, no, most people who are worth listening to, they said, uh, forget about the rest of the world. You are, you know, if you change yourself, you change the whole universe. So I said, okay, that that's appealing. You know, I actually resonate with that. Um, I don't need to depend on other people. And when I see people who were dependent, like I won't mention names, but uh, th there are people who were striving towards this change of the world, and that we all need to change, and that things so we can all 
and you were affecting me because you're unconscious and so on. I felt like, okay, that's not the type of life that I, I, I resonate with. That's, that's not it. So in other words, we are in control of our own life and being in general. Okay, so with that in mind, what does dreaming have to do with all of this? Well, because we are meant to know who we are. And we do this in, um, in different levels, let's call them. So we have the level of, uh, I'm gonna call it three levels again, but this, the, the first level is the, uh, the limited self, the separate self, the one who is uh, affected by, by itself, basically. And that's, that's the lower energy centers. So Ra is saying here, right that the nature of the activity of dreaming is dependent on the situation regarding the energy centers and its blockages activations crystallizations and so on so what we're going to explore is dreaming which is a mental activity based on energy centers that's it that's it we're going we're going to explore it from this uh, point of view now what does ross say about this why do we dream and these dreams are dependent on our energy centers. Well, let's find out. Ross says, in one who is blocked at two of the three lower energy centers, dreaming will be of value in the polarization process in that there will be a repetition of those portions of recent catalysts as well as deeper held blockages, thereby giving the waking mind clues as to the nature of these blockages and hints as to possible changes in perception, which may lead to the unblocking. Uh, so the first step is, of course, people who have uh, blockages, right? Those who are blocked at the three, uh, two of the three lower energy centers. I think there is a little bit of uh, contention here, but it seems that you can only be blocked on two, meaning orange and yellow. You can be blocked at red. I believe Ram said something to this effect at some point um, when they were saying that, no, you can't block the red energy center, just like you can't alter violet. These two are um, static, they say. So this kind of makes sense. Two of the three lower energy centers, I don't know why they didn't just say orange and yellow. Um, and okay, so this, Dreaming will be of value for polarization um, because it's going to repeat. Dreaming are going to repeat catalysts that you are living at the moment, right? And so that catalyst will become available to, in the waking state for us to contemplate, to see. Uh, and that will uh, hopefully lead to unblocking. So if you have issues, especially survival issues, which is the majority of people, then you're going to repeat that dream. Um, and, you know, extreme cases, speaking of repetitions, extreme cases of this fear of, you know, life and purpose and do I want to live and so on. Uh, some people actually have a recurring dream of some uh, creature, some demonic creature or monster uh, chasing them. Right, and they're running away for their uh, for their lives, and it, it keeps repeating. I've heard several people describe this. 
And lo and behold, they're in a state of existential crisis. You know, their life is totally uh, chaotic and they don't know what to do if they want to continue with their marriage and what to do with the kids and uh, uh, or they have to tell their parents that they don't want to study, you know, the rest of the career they were studying and all these things, right? So there's a lot of this fear of, you know, my life and existential crisis. Well, that's a case, you know, for for somebody who was blocked there. Uh, there are many other examples which I won't give, but you can contemplate on your own. And so that is the sort of dreaming that happens in that way. Now, um, it doesn't have to be all the exaggerated ones, but you can also be experiencing blockages in terms of, um, you know, self-image, for example. And so you're going to have a lot of dreaming about and it's all symbolic, you know, of course. That's the thing about dreaming. It's very symbolic. So you have to be uh, really, really into dreaming to understand the symbolism of, of your dreams. So, all right, that's dreaming in, in the first uh, example. What else does Ra say about other examples or other types of dreaming? They say... This type of dreaming or communication through the veil portions of the mind occurs also with those mind-body-spirit complexes which are functioning with far less blockage and enjoying the green ray activation or higher activation at those times at which the mind-body-spirit complex experiences catalysts momentarily re-blocking or baffling or otherwise distorting the flow of energy influx. Therefore, in all cases, it is useful to a mind-body-spirit complex to ponder the content and emotive resonance of dreams. So, uh, again, I have to say that this is a study in and of itself. Uh, and while I do have some experiences and some mild interaction with my dreams and, and my, my life, I am not one of those who records the dreams and... I don't recall them uh, as, for example, Julia recalls dreams from three years ago, vividly. Uh, 20, 40 years ago when she was, I don't know, four years old maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, when Julie was young, she remembers those dreams, which is something that I'll, I'll speculate a bit if I can. But yeah, some people seem to just be uh, more prone to remembering dreams than others. Uh, but Ra's going to talk about this. Possibly in the next session, I'll talk about it. Uh, but for now, let's just stick with what Ra said here. So, this type of dreaming, meaning uh, there's another case. Those who are not blocked or severely blocked, right? They have some mild uh, flow of energy into the heart. And that's what Ra is saying by yeah, some people who are enjoying the green ray activation or higher activation. And there are times in which the uh, you may be re-blocked. So something that you used to to have, I don't know, maybe you, um, uh, I don't know, you like doing something and you kind of heal from that. It's a pattern that repeated again. It comes back and you fall into that pattern again then you're stuck again with some sort of, I don't know, self-image or social, um, let's say, uh, disagreement and so on. This 
rejection of yourself or others, right? Orange and yellow, this can come back and it does so, it's okay, this happens. And so dreaming may take that form again and say, in essence, hey buddy, you're blocked again and this is how it looks. So, you know, symbolically it's going to show up as a sort of um, depiction of how your blocking is. So that's the other scenario, right? That's the scenario of somebody who is already enjoying, they're not blocked in their lower energy centers to a significant degree. They're enjoying uh, their heart chakra and higher energy centers, but catalyst comes and it tests them, tests them again. And so suddenly they're jealous again, or they're getting angry at their children or their parents or siblings or coworkers, uh, employees, boss, whatever. All these things, they come back and you're stuck again. You know, you start to feel this emotion. You don't know what to do with it. And dreaming may help you there. Um, it seems like dreaming is helpful for people who are not totally aware of who they are in the waking state. So that's why dream exploration has been uh, such a thing in history and currently, of course. So Rod does suggest that in all cases, whether that be blockage or enjoying some blockage or re-blockage, which is the second scenario here, it is well to ponder the content and emotive resonance of dreams. How do you feel within the, uh, within the dream? You feel anxious, do you feel scared? Do you feel like you have to hide things? You feel that you, uh, you want to do things and you can't, all these things they are symbolic of what's happening in your life right now. So again, uh, very deep study, very deep study. Let's go to the next scenario. Ross says, for those whose green ray energy centers have been activated, as well as for those whose green ray energy centers are offered an unusual unblockage due to extreme catalyst, such as what is termed the physical death of the self, or one which is beloved occurring in what you may call your near future. Dreaming takes on another activity. This is what may loosely be termed precognition or a knowing which is prior to that which shall occur in physical manifestation in your yellow ray, third density, space-time. So this is premonitions and it's not the sort of prophetic um, you know, dazzling type of uh, connotation that we have to this um, um, premonition, okay? But this scenario is for those whose green ray energy center has been activated, okay? And um, those who, in essence, enjoy a green ray energy center that is activated, dreaming may, may do that, you know, may show a sort of... Um, uh, precognition of things as it will happen and and some people do experience this a lot so prophetic dreaming although again the word prophetic sounds perhaps too magnanimous to what this really means you know you can um, you can predict many things but you don't know them until they happen and you say I had a dream about this you see uh, I guess Prophetic dreams can be something that is 
a deeper study and something that is dedicated for the person who has these capacities. But again, I'm not sure. The point is that this comes for uh, through people who have a green ray activated energy center. It's curious that they mentioned that uh, not only those who have the green ray activated, but those who are offered an unusual unblockage due to extreme catalyst. So examples of these unusual unblockage, so you have your energy center, your green energy center, um, not activated, let's say, and suddenly extreme catalyst, or you may have it slightly activated, and suddenly an extreme catalyst hits you. And one of those examples is the physical death of the self, which I guess it would be a near-death experience. Um, or maybe it doesn't even have to happen, but just a premonition of it, just saying, oh my God, I'm going to die, you know, or I can die. Or thinking about the, the death of somebody in the near future, right? That creates a, an un, unusual unblocking because you can do this. I mean, you, you may have a quarrel with somebody in your family. You have to. Um, and even if you don't, you just, you know, just have, and let's just say a normal uh, waking state perception of them. Now, imagine that they're going to die soon. You know, it's going to be in three days or tonight. You know, experience that feeling. Even your pets, if you have pets, try to imagine that, you know, they're going to die soon. Uh, Soon-ish, at least. So, you think about that. See what you feel. That's an unusual unblockage of the green ray energy center. And so for those who have an extreme catalyst that just simply comes to them and it just stays there, then the dreaming may take that activity, which is the uh, precognition, as Ra says. What else does Ra say? They say this property of the mind depends upon its placement to a great extent in time space so that the terms of present and future and past have no meaning. This will, if made proper use by the mind-body-spirit complex, enable this entity to enter more fully into the all-compassionate love of each and every circumstance, including those circumstances against which an entity may have a strong distortion towards what you may call unhappiness. So when you are... Um, unhappy about a situation when you enter the state yes you might have a full uh, just like i said you know trying to imagine that you have a quarrel with somebody especially family because you may be so disconnected from other people that you don't care if they die and you say well even better if they die <laughs> um, but there is there's no compassion there you see whereas you know family member imagine you just got into a fight with your wife, your kids, your parents, your brothers, whatever. And you just don't want to see them. And then imagine them dying, you know, they're just dead. And how do you feel about it? You see? So even if you're unhappiness, unhappiness, um, even if you're unhappy with this or with them, then uh, you will feel uh, an all-compassionate love for this circumstance and every circumstance, actually. Uh, because you're having this this unblocking 
this property of the mind depends upon its placement in time space yeah um, this is describing how present future past have no meaning in terms of what you feel about the person you see has nothing to do with what they are mentally but what they represent fully in your life you see so yes if this is properly used of course then it can create that all compassion uh, opening so again it's just another another of the facets of what this um, this dreaming may uh, may offer let's see what else they say I'm not sure if this is the end but Ra says, as a mind-body-spirit complex consciously chooses the path of the adept and with each energy center balanced to a minimal degree, begins to open the indigo ray energy center, the so-called dreaming becomes the most efficient tool for polarization. For if it is known by the adept that work may be done in consciousness while the so-called conscious mind rests, this adept may call upon those which guide it, those presences which surrounded and most of all the magical personality which is the higher self in space-time analog as it moves into the sleeping mode of consciousness so this is packed with information uh this this can be a, a whole two-hour episode but we're gonna finish with the last part of this of this answer so we have described a couple of scenarios and most of these scenarios can, uh, doesn't have to necessarily be, but can be on people who are not aware of the path of uh, self-realization, which again, is why I gave that long description of what the purpose of this third density is, and that is to know yourself. So if you are consciously on this path of knowing yourself, when I say consciously, I mean that everybody is unconsciously on that path, but they're stuck in the lower energy centers because they know themselves as separate. Well, if you're consciously on this path and you know I'm not separate, I am something else that I need to discover, and well, in that case, you're an adept and you are working consciously towards um, the, um, the path of self-knowledge. So... Ra says, when a mind-body-spirit complex consciously chooses the path of the adept, right, that's you, with each energy center balanced to a minimal degree, meaning that you're not uh, in an anxious mode, depressed, or uh, hit by some sort of, you're angry with somebody and you can't really shake off this anger, you're balanced to a minimal degree. You don't have to be fully crystallizing your lower energy centers, but at least you have peace of mind for the nuns you have peace of mind well then it begins this begins to open the indigo ray energy center that's the so-called dreaming uh then we'll take an, another sort of uh use um usefulness for polarization you see, when the lower energy centers are balanced to a minimal degree, like Ron says, then energy is flowing to the heart, and from the heart, it would want to blow up to the uh, 
the throat chakra and so to the energy center the indigo uh, energy center so with that then the adept is doing work now ross says if it is known by the adept that work may be done in consciousness by the so-called conscious uh, by the so-called conscious mind while the so-called conscious mind rests so in essence if the adept knows that yes i can do work even in my sleep uh, or in meditation which it's funny how it overlaps with the exploration of the unconscious mind as I talked about it. So if, if you do this, if you are aware of this and you say, oh, wait a second, it's not only that I can do it in meditation, but I can also do it while I sleep, then dreaming can take on another level. So uh, Ross says, this adept may call upon those which guided, those presences which surrounded, that is, uh, assuming you're a positive entity, of course, those influences. Remember what I said at the beginning of this episode that uh, there are negative influences? Well, there are positive influences too in your life. Those you can call angels, you can call higher self, you can call uh, uh, devas, you can call guides, ancestors, whatever you want to call them. If you want to uh, anthropomorphize them as um, entities, that's fine that is helpful if it helps your visualization it's totally acceptable for this practice um, you can do so you can call upon them and that is the state in which you go to sleep now uh, in english i forget the word in spanish we call it derivation or to derivate i don't know if that's the right term um I know that I think it's Jean Jean Pierre Garnier, who was a French guy. I don't know, is from from, uh, from which probably 20, 30, 40 years ago. I don't remember, but he's he's a con uh, contemporary um, researcher in dreams, and oh, I forgot what the term is. I learned all of this in Spanish because Julie was into it, but there is um, there is a practice in which before you go to sleep, you um, you give all of this, you give you you give up your day. You, in essence, you say, "This is it. You know, I'm I'm done for the day. Um, I want my higher self." And you invoke your higher self. That's what Ra is saying here with the magical personality which is the higher self in space-time analog. Um, then you call upon all of this to aid you while you sleep. Now, changes will happen in consciousness. This has been proven to happen for the people who have engaged in this practice, which for the life of me, I cannot remember the name. Um, and yeah, I, everything comes in Spanish and I know it's not like that in English, but look it up. Jean-Pierre Garnier, I think is, is him. Let's do it now and see if I'm, if I'm right. Yes, I think that's him. Doubling time theory, that it is. So the doubling, I don't know why he calls it doubling, but in essence, if you look up on, on, the, on his work, you will find this precise um, 
this precise information or what what it is he he's still alive isn't he yeah he's 75 um, so yeah look look up if you're interested uh, Jean-Pierre Garnier uh, you look it up and you find out it's um, it's a fascinating practice that can be done and you will see changes just like with the course in miracles when you do the, the exercises and you really consciously go into them of course you will see the changes in life I mean they're, they're just gonna happen so that's just the dedication of determination and will so again uh, doubling time I think is what his work is about um, I'm just looking casually looking through the, the search results but yeah look him up um, okay so that's that that's a that's another type of usage for dreaming which highly recommended for those who are in the path of uh, knowing themselves you can do this you can do this I, I personally don't do it because it doesn't fall into my uh, my way of life or my lifestyle but um, we in the direct path we do this remember dreaming is just a projection of your subconscious of things that are happening here which are difficult to see uh, so in the direct path we're much more concerned with what's happening here at all times uh, that's not to say that you can't complement it with with this if you're in the direct path you can still do this uh, and I, frankly it could possibly help or accelerate things more I just don't know all right so let's move on I think this is the last part of this answer and we'll finish for today Ross says with these affirmations attended to the activity of dreaming reaches that potential of learned teaching which is most helpful to increasing the distortions of the adept towards his chosen polarity there are other possibilities of the dreaming not so closely aligned with the increase in polarity which we do not cover at this particular space time so uh, there are other possibilities of dreaming that are not so closely aligned with polarization and so they're not going to talk about it uh, what could that be um, I think that is astral projection and all the stuff that is presented as you know I'm going to uh, go in and, and learn from other planets and things like that uh, because dreaming because it's an activity of the mind can go anywhere and so um, it's actually pleasant for me at least to see that because there's a lot of emphasis now on people who get into spirituality uh, I mean I, I was there too whenever I speak I know that I have a pinch of experience on this and it was in my first months when I was uh, so fascinated I actually wanted to do this in my dreams with psychedelics with breathing techniques I was fascinated with all the things that I could do with my mind you know that my mind was not limited I could explore the whole universe so all of this is great for exploration but had nothing to do with polarization I mean first of all let me say this is just my interpretation of what Ross said here there are other possibilities of the dreaming not so closely aligned with the increase in polarity which they're not going to talk about uh, so I think that's one of those it's just uh, using your dreams for for example I'm just gonna use it because I can become lucid in my dream lucid dreaming for example is one of those you can 
get there and you start uh, manipulating everything in the dream and it's fascinating that doesn't yield anything in polarization I grant you it's fun but it doesn't provide anything so uh, but before that they said something else about the path of the adept and using the these affirmations Ra actually said with these affirmations this is exactly the same I'm, I'm actually fascinated I had Julie study this uh, for a while when she was doing this uh, doubling time doubling what's it called again doubling time theory uh, again I don't know why he calls it doubling but when you study it you realize that it's the same thing that Ra is saying here you're using your conscious mind to say I'm going to give everything which I think I am in fact is the conscious mind saying as a separate self all right I'm surrendering to the unconscious mind for it to do its work period that's the best way I can summarize it if you do this there is but you see that's the thing um, no I won't get into this this is too deep <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna sidetrack so yeah no that, that's the best way to summarize it I who think I'm a separate self surrender everything to the dreaming because I know that there are higher forces that are shaping my life and that's it now it's not that easy because Julie who studied this reports to me that one of the things that you need to do the next day is to be aware of synchronicities because you may not even remember your dreams but sometimes it's a whole study it's a fascinating thing so all you're doing is stimulating your unconscious mind to give information to the subconscious so it bubbles up in your day as it comes through and then you study it that's why to me is kind of inefficient and I prefer to be just fully aware of everything that is happening in my waking state uh, and so that doesn't mean that dreaming is not going to happen but if it happens and if it bubbles up as something that I say oh look at that that's what it means then I take it into my experiential continuum and I just keep going so that's what happens see the activity of dreaming reaches that potential of learned teaching as you dissolve yourself into the unconscious mind which is most helpful to increase the distortions of the adept towards its chosen polarity um, it's going to aid you in your perception of in your self-knowledge let's call it that way but all right that's the end of this first part we still have a lot to cover uh, this might be three parts we'll see conclusions two things that I'll revisit unconscious minds and dreaming like I said just to finish off uh, I think that's the best the best giveaway uh, that I can uh, I can offer here and is that it's interesting how we first went into the unconscious mind we realized that there is something that we cannot fathom we cannot describe is the ineffable side of the mind right this is so close it's yet not pure awareness because pure awareness have has no mind but it's very close it's like the first manifestations of pure awareness that starts to take shape and form and direction that's the unconscious mind at the deepest level so becoming aware of that and knowing 
that that is actually what's shaping your life. It's not what you think right here in the surface. You know, it's not, um, it, it's not this idea of yourself that is shaping in your decisions. Although you do have the steering wheel in terms of decisions. You decide what to believe, what not to believe. You decide where to go, where not to go. That is totally your direction because you're still the creator. That's you. Only that the only part of you as the creator that you're seeing is the direction in which you go. So if the creator at some point points at the right, right direction, which is inward, oh, magic happens. I guarantee you that. And so in the direction going inwards, like I said, there is a subconscious, which is fascinating and lots of people are doing it, changing their lives. Uh, and yet in this mystical path, we say, not enough, keep going. Then you reach the personal unconscious and you say, wow, this is fascinating. So much information is flowing through. I can't even describe it. And in the mystical path, we say, not enough, keep going. <laughs> and then you reach the unconscious level two of the mind in which things are completely ineffable and uh, you can't, and we keep saying, no, just keep going. You're still distracted. You know, here is where you may experience all kinds of uh, beautiful visions and things happening and, and people get embellish uh, in their personality by all of this. And they say, oh, I've reached a different level in, of my being. You know, I'm so higher than other people. And I've actually seen people. I don't want to call it unfortunate because I don't, I don't feel pity for people. I don't feel, uh, I, I'm fascinated with how people actually uh, take these teachings and then zoop, they go into something else. Um, but I've seen people first-handed first-handedly seen people who got into this path I have to say it, I'm, I have nothing against psychedelics been a user for from the beginning of my path I have full respect but some people seem to abuse it and in that abuse they begin to associate themselves their ego associates with what they can see and the their gifts and so much and so they become glorious you know no matter if you use psychedelics, uses dreams or whatever it is, and you're exploring your unconscious mind, my suggestion is you're not there yet. Keep going, okay? You may reach the state of Samadhi, you know, in which there is just life flowing. You get, you know, you feel your energy body and everything is just like, there is no words at all. There's no concepts, nothing to describe this. And you say, I've reached that point. There is nothing. It's just nothingness. And I say, keep going. <laughs> I'll tell you to keep going until there's nothing left that you can possibly see. That's you. That's pure awareness. That is uh, untarnished, uh, pure potential, intelligent infinity. And even when you reach there, I'll say, don't stop there keep going and you'll ask me where I have no other place to go and I say well now you go back and now you see reality from this point of view not from Samadhi uh, not from uh, this magnificent display of the mind in the universe not from the personal unconscious not from the subconscious and definitely not from the service conscious mind you perceive it from yourself because that's the whole of reality. You are the whole. Um, so 
again, that's just my way of exploring all of this. Dreams can help in creating a lot more stability in your life. If it's done this way, there's so much to talk about dreams. I could go, I can create a whole series of, of podcasts here, but I won't. All right, that's all I have to offer today. Um, it's kind of long, only seven questions. So it seems like we're gonna cover this in three parts. As always, thank you so much for listening, watching, and staying in tune with this beautiful uh, material. Uh, I wanna suggest as well that if you're not reading the material, you go read it yourself. Don't be satisfied with what I say here or anybody else for that matter. I appreciate you being here. If you want to get involved with my teachings and everything that I do, description is where you will always find the relevant links. Find out more about what I do. Reach out to me. Let me know. Let's see what we can do together. With nothing else to say, I will just say, take good care of yourself. Uh, don't judge yourself. Let others do that for you and you'll be fine. Take care and I'll see you in part two of session 86.